Originality. Welcome to Autographs, my name is Nick Singh, and just know, originality is on the horizon. Let's go. Ayo, LP, Q, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no mountain high enough Ain't no valley low Ain't no river wide enough To get me from keeping I screwed up those lyrics, but it doesn't matter. Um, that's one of my songs, and yes, Joseph McClendon, that reminded me of you, and that's who we have on the show today. Welcome to Autographs, where we tell original stories and insights told by the world's best. My name is Nick. You could call me the homie Nick for the sake of things, and on today's show, we have the homie Joseph McClendon III. If you haven't heard from him, get this. He is one of the most prolific high-performance specialist on the face of the planet, so much so that he's been entrusted by the best on the planet from famous world-class actors to athletes to other speakers like Tony Robbins. Yes, I said Tony Robbins, aka the godfather of the self-help industry right now, has entrusted Joseph as one of his personal business partners to see to it that he can speak at Tony's events and help deliver the message. And that's actually where Joseph and I encountered each other. Uh, it was actually a few years before that, but where I really felt that he changed my life was at a Tony Robbins conference. And I swore to myself that one day I would meet him and be able to thank him personally. And very few times in your life do I believe things are going to come as full circle and as literal for full circle as they felt like they did that day when I walked through Joseph's door and conducted this chat that we're about to have. So as much as I was there for you, I, I'm not going to lie, it was partially there for me too. To be able to thank him and meet this guy in person was like me being able to meet one of my idols for a long, 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 long time coming. And what I got to say is that Joseph is in my war room. So if you don't know who he is, trust that he's going to change your life because what my war room means is that if this world were to go down tomorrow and we need to and we were to need to uh, collect a few world-class leaders in a room together to help guide us in a more positive direction unquestionably Joseph would be in my room with a few others and if that doesn't says if that doesn't say anything, I don't know what does because that to me is one of the biggest honors when you could really entrust somebody who I believe can absolutely change your life and when I walk through his house, and I walked into it, I said, you know, this man changed my life. I wonder if he could do it for you too. And it was just such an immediate instinct answer. It was so intuition for me to say, yeah, absolutely. He will, he can, and he must because that's who he is. So I promise you out of this show and out of this chat, you're going to get something that you just never got before. So enjoy what's next. I'm the homie Nick. Welcome to Autographs and I'll see y'all on the other end. Hi, uh, we're here today with none other than Joseph McClendon III. How are you, dude? I'm fantastic. It's been, you? It's been, I'm doing well, thank you. And it's been, uh, you know, most people don't ask that. Most people never ask me back. It's like, what the hell? Um, but <laughs> I, 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 was, I was raised right. I, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. I appreciate you, man. Shout out to your parents. But um, we're, not, we're not alone today. We wanted to crash this thing into yes. a wall. So we're with uh, Kavan the Great, my brothers Kavan and Grant, Grant Kellogg. We'll, uh, we'll save introductions for a little bit later just because I just want to dive right in. Yeah, I, I, said, Ke I said Kevin, did I not? No. Shit, we really... <laughs> well, we really... We, 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 we'll work on your abandonment issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, we really are crashing into a wall. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about 12,000 an hour. Um, and then we have Tyler in the background doing this Tyler thing and Luis behind cameras other than, uh, I mean, who else would we have here? But I didn't do this before and I, you know what, I, I, I actually really want to. So um, I will tell you guys how Joseph and I met in just a little bit. I'm sure it's going to come up. But uh, this is a gentleman who you consider yourself an uh, ultimate performance specialist. Is that right? Yes. Cool. And, and, and we'll get into what you, what that means for you. But I mean, just anybody listening to this, if you don't know who he is, uh, he is working with the likes of uh, Grammy award-winning actors, Oscar award, is probably Oscar award-winning artist, right? Uh, some of the top performers in the world, like Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Nicole um, Scherzinger, and I mean, the list goes on, but uh, we'll get into your resume in just a little bit, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, 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 I do want to pick up, I know, I know, me too, me too, me too, but look, I do want to pick up where we left off, so I mean, we've been here for like about, uh, about two, three hours just yeah. chopping it up, doing and some stuff. thank you for with... coming, this, is, this has been fun. Thank you for having us, man, you have a beautiful house. Thank yeah, you. yeah, you really do, so um, what have you been up to today? I mean, you were talking about your rituals, right? So I wanted yeah, to right I, uh, well, before you guys showed up here, <laughs> I was telling you that I, I, uh, in the other room there, I have a music studio, so I was uh, in there playing bass for a little bit before you guys showed up, and that's, that is part of my hour ritual that I do in the morning. I, have, uh, I was sharing with you before, I have a... Uh, I think your dog is chewing plastic. Three, is, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Is he gonna have, swallow it? Say again? Is he gonna swallow no, it? No, he's fine. Okay, he's, cool. He'll be fine. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. To anybody listening who's a, if he doesn't. Who's, a, who's a dog owner, just... Uh, <laughs> 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 this guy is a riot. All right, it's okay. It's okay. You'll okay. be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have rituals that I do in the morning. People always ask me about that. I have I have three of them, uh, three different ones, and they they kind of piggyback on each on to each other with determining or depending on what kind of time I have every morning. Um, if it's a short morning, I do my 15 minute. If it's a longer one, I do the half hour. Longer one, I have a, an hour. And what is it like? Do they elongate based on how much time you have? Yes. Or is it the same thing yes. technically? Okay, well, cool. they, yeah, I do all of them in succession. Right. So uh, the 15 minute one is I just wake up every morning. First thing, and I encourage everybody to do this, if you, if you have trouble getting out of bed or waking up or getting going in the morning, before you go to sleep, set a glass of water by your, your nightstand. So the first thing that happens when you wake up is just drink that water. I promise you, you won't be able to go back to sleep. You'll do away with the snooze button and you'll wake up more alert. And so I drink that water right away. And then I sit up in bed, I put a big smile on my face. And the reason being is obviously, you know, it makes my brain release awesome sauce mm -hmm. <laughs> inside me. And then I... I What's uh, awesome sauce? Awesome sauce are the, it's the name that I've given to the chemicals, the endorphins, dopamines, solutions, um, like things like adrenaline and testosterone and oxytocin that our brain and our body releases when we're functioning at our absolute optimum. Okay. It's like being in the zone. Incredible. It is differently. And so that starts that process, starts to wake you up. And then I have a set of affirmations that I, I do mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, incantations that I say for myself, about myself, and gratefulness. While I'm doing that, I'm touching my toes. It takes me about five minutes before I can actually touch my toes uh, while I'm breathing and doing that. Um, and that, of course, wakes the body up and stretches you out and everything. Then I swing out, put my feet on the floor, stand up, and... You know what I do. <laughs> Shake, Shake that out. Get it going. I love it, man. And then, uh, and then from there, um, that that's my shorter one. That's like my 15-minute one. I get up and I move. I do a little bit more stretching and move about my day. And then to add to that, if I have a half hour, then I go. I have an, an oxidizer, which is called a chi machine. I lay on that and I do some meditation uh, on that one. If I have the hour, mm -hmm. which I did this morning, <laughs> I do all of that. And I have a couple other machines around here that I do things in a, in a sauna and things like that. I do those. But 
then I go into my, my studio there and, and play a little music. Ritualistic? You do that every day? Yeah. That's incredible, man. Yeah. I mean, most people don't get around to making time for themselves like well, that. Well, you've got to make the time. And, yeah. and again, that's why I do the short ones, the, the longer one and the longest one. You've got to make the time because it's all about, listen, most people drag around and you know drink their coffee and, and finally ease into the day. Well, what if you could do 15 minutes? Because by the time I'm done with those 15 minutes, I'm alive and on fire. Oh, no, I totally get yeah. you, man. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I bet you, I mean, everybody does probably, right? But, you know, just so everybody watching this can listen, because, I mean, all of us, is he okay? Yeah, he's yeah. fine. <laughs> I'll sneezer over there. There's a dog in the room if you're listening on audio. Um, but I just wanted to get into it, man. I mean, like, all of us here, we know you because of Tony, right? Mm-hmm. And we know you because of UPW. Mm-hmm. But your depth and your experience in life, like your understanding and where you've been is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I would love for everybody listening to this to kind of just get a feel for who you are. So... I mean, what's your story? How did this all come to be? And and who have you worked with over the years? So maybe we can kind of understand that too. Well, I would say, you know, I started, I'm doing what I'm doing because somebody helped me years ago. Um, When I was 17 years old, actually 17 and a half years old, uh, three grown men tried to take my life because of the color of my skin. Place called Lancaster, Cal. Or actually, it was in Bakersfield. I was living in Lancaster. Was this in 19? Anytime you say 19, anything (laughs) goes back. So this was Uh, in the 70s. You're kidding. And um, and uh, they left me for dead. And what were you doing? Were you just walking on the street? No, I was I was riding my motorcycle. My motorcycle broke down, and I pulled into a gas station. It was almost midnight at night, and I pulled into a gas station to fix it. And these guys pulled up and (laughs) you're shitting. You're you seriously? Seriously, yeah. And, um, you know, the things they said to me while they were, and they knocked me out. I literally, it broke uh, uh, two ribs. I literally have one rib that's still out of place because you can't put a cast on a rib. You no, know, you can't. You got to let still it Still out of place. And uh, it was unfortunate that that, that happened. But um, when it happened, uh, two things. Number one, when the police came in the morning and found me in the gas station, they arrested me. Yeah, because... In those days, gas stations what they are, are, aren't what they are now. Uh, they weren't self-serve. Somebody would come in in the morning, open up a gas station, and, and when that guy came in the morning, he just called the police, and they put me in the back of the car, and I was bleeding internally and all those things. And I had to explain to them what happened, and uh, that left me feeling that there was something wrong with me. That made me feeling worthless and, um, and unworthy. And as a result, I became homeless. I lived in a cardboard box, uh, behind an old drive-in theater. How did that lead you to become, were you, were you living with your parents beforehand? No, or? no, I had literally just gotten out on my own. I literally just moved out and, and got on my own. And you were just, you just felt like all hope was lost after yeah. that, huh? and I had just started college, uh, going to college, and um, I didn't have anything. I had that motorcycle and the clothes on my back by the time that came around. And uh, I was homeless, and I stayed homeless for about uh, probably almost four months. And it doesn't sound like a long time, but it's an eternity when you're, when you're there. Yeah. And it was um, the, one of the, if not the worst parts of my life. And I was suicidal. And um, I remember thinking to myself that, you know, why am I even here? And what changed my life was somebody that I didn't know gave me a book and insisted that I read, read the book. And the book was called Think and Grow Rich. And um, it was interesting. I tell people that I not only got the book and read the book, but I did the exercises in the book. I was desperate, you know. Um, and when I did the exercises in the book, very long story short, my life changed. I changed how I felt about myself. I changed how I felt about the world around me. And I changed how I felt about other people. And I started to 
make some changes and some progress in my life. And so the reason I share that with you is because when I went back to the guy that gave me the book to thank him, I said, you know, what do I do for you? Because that's the way I was raised. You know, you've changed my life. How do I, how do I repay you? And what he said to me, he goes, how you repay me is you do the same thing that I've done for you for as many people as you possibly can for the rest mm. of your life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really take it that serious in the moment, but it stuck with me. And so as my life started to change, I started to, you know, I studied psychology. <laughs> I, I say to people, psychologists, don't let them fool you. If they're studying psychology, they're doing it because they, they got their own problems. <laughs> that they want to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the me. best I reason to study some something. Deep-seated right? challenges. And, uh, and then along the way, um, I had the privilege of meeting uh, several people along the way, and one of them was, was uh, my mentor, uh, Tony Robbins, and sure. I watched him utilize uh, another branch of psychology that I didn't know about uh, called uh, uh, the neurosciences. Got it. And uh, That is loud as hell. <laughs> Come here, buddy. It's just the plastic, to be honest yeah. with you. There we go. He's just making noise. That's yeah, okay. Uh, and so I studied that. I got really good at helping people get over fears and phobias and emotional challenges. And um, I opened a practice in Los Angeles. And I, for, uh, and I taught, I was teaching at UCLA at the time. And I, I, I jokingly say that I got to experience every freak you could possibly imagine because it's Los Angeles. Yeah, <laughs> I every every uh, phobia, everything you can imagine came through. So I got really, really good at doing that. And then I. Uh, I started working with uh, my my partner Tony and uh, and uh, doing larger and larger events. <laughs> Do you need to get that? No, no. Oh no, it's okay. If, if you need to, please. they'll call back. Cool. Unfortunately, they will call back. I thought this was on silent. That's yeah. okay. Uh, doing larger and larger events, and uh, now I have the privilege, uh, and and I morphed that into uh, being what I call an ultimate performance specialist, kind of a high-end life coach, if you will. Huge. Uh, and I have the privilege of working with, as you said, some uh, pretty impressive people and people. But here's what I found out. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're famous or not so much. You're still a human being. You've got the same five senses and the same type of nervous system. And whatever challenge that you have, it can be, you can, you can change it. You can make a difference. I love that. Yes. It's huge, right? And you know, I, I, I want to go, go into that a little bit because uh, you were doing, the cool thing about you, Joseph, is that uh, right now, life coaching, I'll just be candid. Mm -hmm. I'll never hide anything. I'm going to be straight with you. It's a, it's, it's a fad. I mean, you meet a lot of people who are just like, oh, I'm a life coach. And the truth is, and I don't say this with disrespect, is a lot of them just kind of fell into it. You know, they went to a seminar and now they want to become life coaches, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But for you, you had this depth, man. You really went through something. And I love what you said, because that's why I started doing interviews. I never was able to admit it to anybody, including myself, until I got over it. But when I was meeting Gary Vaynerchuk and Casey Neistat, all my idols, right? You included. This is a blessing for me. But maybe like take me a few years ago, and if we had met, the questions would have been a lot more selfish, <laughs> to be honest with you. It would yeah, have just well, been self-serving. No, I was no, doing no. it because I was looking for answers for my own life, man. Like all the things I was asking these people were me trying to figure out myself so I can relate because like that I think is one of the best ways to learn something. So modern day life coaches sometimes they don't um, they don't approach it that way. They approach it in a different angle and sometimes I've seen they might get less effective but you're insanely effective and what I'm curious about is um, your your interventions. Man, you must have some crazy ass stories. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean there's nothing better than a freaking intervention story. Do you, Dude, you I, 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 I'll share with you. When I first got started, okay. I literally put an ad in the paper, and, and the ad basically said, whatever your challenge is. Are you serious? Come see me. Yeah. Wow. Literally. And they did 
And I remember the people responded to that. I remember the first one that freaked me out was this woman showed up and she had gloves on. Really attractive lady and really nervous. What kind of gloves? She had like white gloves, you know, up, up to here. Like like, like like those expensive gloves? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and cool. And she sat across me. I used to have this big marble desk and she sat nice. across there. And because I, I didn't want to have the couch, you know, the traditional thing. Yeah. By the way, I'm a neuropsychologist. Okay, versus, okay, got uh, it. tell you what that means. Got it. Okay, cool. No, that's wonderful. Thank you. Um, Thank you for that distinction. That's okay. That's she, okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, again, if you're listening on audio, there's a freaking dog. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, and she sat across from me and I said, how can I help you? And through tears, she starts taking off her gloves. And I'm expecting to see these horribly disfigured things. And I look at her, at her hands and they were perfectly manicured. They were beautiful. And she's shaking, and she's showing me her hands, and she goes, see? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. to do. And I go, uh, so I didn't want to insult her. And go, so I go, tell me, you know, what the challenge is. She goes, you can't see? And I go, well, how about you tell me? And she goes, look. And she's starting to get agitated. She's starting to get animated about it and everything. And I go, you know what? Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to put anything, read anything into it that's not. So what I need you to do, and I match her intensity, I need you to do is to calm down and tell me what's going on with your hands. And she goes, they're horrible. And can't you hear them? <laughs> can't you hear them? Wow. Yeah. And so her hands. Hear she them? A, she had a phobia about her hands, and they talked to her. Whoa. Are you serious? And that's why she keeps them covered up. If she puts gloves on, it shuts them up and she doesn't have to look at them. So Man, how, you... did, how did you cure that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, what do you say? Uh, how do you cure that? Well, here, here's the thing. And um, even in those days, that was the fledgling or the beginning See of it. See if you could grab that. See if you could grab that. Let's, let's go on a mission. Let's yeah. go, I'm sorry, Justin. Toby, I, I just wanna... Toby, drop it. Drop it. He doesn't want it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Squeeze his paw. They'll, they, they always they open drop your mouth it. if you squeeze it hard squeeze enough. Squeeze your paw? Maybe the other one. Drop it. Sorry about that, brother. That's okay. Yeah, no. He's solid. Alright, well let's let's right. kick it. Let's kick it. So I, the funniest thing is, like, like I, 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 I think people forget, right? Because you're so well developed into your career, right? They come to you with the strangest of things, thinking that you're a magician, right? Here you are at the outside of it, like, really fresh by the sounds of it. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's just a freaking human, right? Like, just like, like, how the hell am I supposed to? So, how did you solve talking hands? Well, there's, there's a process, and I was, I started to say this. I'm a neuropsychologist. My, my doctorate is in neuropsychology versus traditional psychology. Traditional psychology, the simplest way I can explain it to you is this. Um, when, when somebody comes in to have something, that, uh, you know, an emotional challenge or, or something, or fear or phobia or something, you have one way of helping them, and that is to talk to them. So it's got to go in here, okay? But we have five senses. And when, we, when you think of your nervous system, you think of all five senses. And so I have five different areas that I can intervene. And for the most part, not everybody is auditory. You can reach everybody that way, and through stories and examples and so on and so forth. But if you have a fear of dogs, and you come into my office, 
guess what's going to be in my office? A dog. a dog. It's going to be a dog. And the reason being is because I'm going to have you experience it so that I can interrupt that pattern so that I can replace that pattern with something else. Have, you, ever, that's the, have the you ever done structures. that? Like brought a dog into your office? Yeah, I did. That was a matter of fact. In Los Angeles, the two most popular phobia cures that I did were fear of dogs and men afraid of women. Are you? What? Yeah, wow. exactly. Sure. And so, what did you bring dog, women into the office? Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Men afraid of women. Of women afraid to approach a woman, or you know, like a guy. You'd see these big strapping guys that would, you know, and it'd be hilarious because I knew as soon as uh, they would contact me, I'd go, you know, well, how can I help you? And it'd be the same thing because I always want to find out what they, how they describe it. Right. And they, all the guys, big strong guys, that go. Well, there's this girl, <laughs> and they melt, you know. Yeah. And I know it's just it's just fear of rejection, you know. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, you know, the, the long and the short of it is is a lot of people try and replace a pattern or change a pattern without doing anything about the existing pattern. I don't believe in that. So so I may throw water on you. I may bring a dog into the situation. I'll do whatever it takes to to get you to experience it first so that I can interrupt that pattern so that I can replace it with something else. You're Mm. kidding me. And that's what you did with the girl with the talking hands. Yeah, there's a system. There's there's a process to go through. But you also have to, I'm I'm oversimplifying it. You also have to uh, deduce and figure out how that person communicates with themselves first. Because some people, they do it auditorily. And some people visually, and some people do it kinesthetically. And so that's part of the, the process of learning how they function so that I can adjust whatever I'm going to do with them so it's more effective and so that it's lasting as well versus just because I can get anybody in a moment, you, you know, you offer somebody a million dollars and they're going to hold a dog if they're afraid of dogs. Yeah, hold anything. I'm not going to like it, but that's not going to do anything for them later uh, on. Can, can people do this on themselves? Like, is it as always... Um is it always so, and it's probably the wrong word, but is it always so cumbersome of having to like hire somebody and go through this process? You can do it on your own, and that's one of the greatest things. You were talking about coaches, and I have a lot of friends that are coaches, and, and at varying degrees. I'm not knocking coaches, by the way. Yeah, 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 but I think you understand varying what I mean. Degrees, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I think that, the, the to answer your question, people can, and what I encourage people to do is, is all of the above. First off, seek, uh, you know, I, I, even to this day, at the risk of sounding arrogant, at my level, I still go to seminars and workshops and things like that, and and I, I learn. I just, you know, Kevon and I were talking a little while ago that he, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, kind of follow me around and do things, and that's what I did in the very beginning, and I still do. It never goes away. So I encourage people to continue to do that. Seminars, workshops, you know, YouTube University, always, always learning, and so. Um, I do that because I encourage other people to do that as well. If you have a challenge, it's, you're not stuck with it. Mm. You're not. So you can go get some help somewhere, or you can, at the very least, read a book or, or you know, watch a, a video. This is the reason why, like you guys are here now, I, I like to create content, more and more content, so people can get that help. It's amazing, man. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I kind of want to build on that just for a second. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about today was you're, you're, you're so enveloped in self-help and personal development, mm-hmm. right? So many people know you um, from being on stage with Tony, or they know you from your own individual work. It's beautiful. And I'm curious, right? You're really at the cutting edge of it. Right, I mean, when people think Tony, when th- people think personal development, they think Tony Robbins, and you're so much intertwined like me. It's beautiful. So you're here at the edge, which means that you're here on like the cusp of innovation and really pioneering this thing. Um, do you have any quarrels with it? Do you think that there's some things about the personal development industry that are just flat out non-effective? Things that people say that just are 
downright not true? Are there things happening in personal development right now that you think is like, you know what, I wish people would stop saying that because I like I, I just flat out don't agree. I'm looking for I'm looking for if there's any of that. Well yeah, there's certainly uh, things that I disagree with. I I tend to be the eternal optimist. Yeah. And I would rather have more people out there doing something than and and at least countering all the negativity that's out there because you know, what I just because I don't agree with something doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. I may have different things. I do. I will say this though. Um, what's really popular now uh, are quotes, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit uh, hypocritical as I say this because I have written a quote book of my own. Actually, two of them. <laughs> yeah. However, here's, here's the difference: is um, a quote without the mechanism or system to attain whatever that quote is about is just good advice. Mm. And so um, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in give people the tools to do something and they'll create a change. For me, like I said, with Think and Grow Rich, I read the book and I did the exercises. So um, everything that I suggest behind it, and, and, and oftentimes when I do it, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna say something, I'm gonna give you an explanation of what that is. Because it's really easy to say, you've gotta have courage. You gotta have certainty. You know, you you gotta have uh, you know you gotta have all these things. But if, if I don't know how to do that, if I don't have courage, then all it's gonna do is inspire me in the moment. And inspirational stories and inspirational quotes and things like that are great. And what I offer and what I I love to see more and more of is or techniques of how to do something. And it's really interesting, you know, we just got finished shooting a bunch of one minute videos and that is how people consume content these days. And it's kind of hard to do what I just said, give people something to do uh, as we do that. But I always say it's just something as simple as just a smile, like the, what we were talking about before, get up in the morning, drink a glass of water. And that is, that answers the question of how do I get my butt out of bed in the morning and, and, yeah. and do things. I've given you something to do. I like that. And so with that, I mean, I want to build on that a little bit. How do you, how do you feel um, about people breaking out of the confines of being so, and this happened to me, I'm asking, I'm speaking from experience. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started going to seminars and reading books years ago, I'm curious if this happened to you as well. I became this guy who felt just totally frank with you, like he had the answers to everything. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, I was trying to project that on other people and I was living in this world where I lost the most important thing in my life, which is connection. Mm -hmm. um, I lost the ability to make friends and to even have good friends because mm -hmm. the truth is no one wants to be around somebody who thinks they know it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, still that happens. And is, there, is that a necessary phase in personal development? And if it is, how do you get out of it? Because I see people sometimes live in that space where uh, they're in this space of personal development and they lose this sense about them that makes them human, all right? Yeah. Um, this sense of, and you've done it so well, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you because uh, by mistake, I'm asking you because like you stand on stage and uh, even though you don't talk about them on stage willingly, like like it's not a story, you can tell this guy's this guy's been through some shit and he's not afraid to show it. You know, he's not afraid to to say the things that most people are. How do you how do you break out of that? Well, thank you for the compliment. And in, in all, do honesty, you agree? Do you feel that? Way I, I agree. Okay. Um, and so you asked three questions. One of them was, does a person have to go through that in order to get where they're going? The answer is no. Mm. Um, it's likely that most people will. And I'm not going to say that I didn't, uh, because um, you did. Uh, no, I I did go through it. Got a it. Bit. Um, but I got uh, because I was in the industry and because I was practicing it. Um, I, I have this thing where I say, I won't teach theory, meaning I'm not gonna teach something that I don't do myself. Mm -hmm. And so, and physician heal thyself. So when I started to feel like that, um, first off, from where I came from, which was homeless and suicidal, you know, it's really hard to forget that. 
at least without, on my own. And it wasn't until I took what I learned and put it on my, and used it on myself to get rid of that, that's where my humility came up. And I lost that, um, that uh, arrogance, if you will, about I know everything. Second thing is, uh, and it's part of what we teach. I, I teach a, a presentation course. You know, you asked me earlier how many people would, you know, dream about doing what I do, which is, you know, speaking on stage and things like that. And most people think it's, you know, you just get up there and talk, but there's a process. And part of that process is the most important part is connection with people. And so literally, if you do nothing more than, here's, here's something, this isn't just advice, but this is something you can do. If you do nothing more than as you walk down the street, every individual that you come in contact with, I call it my 50 foot rule, that you come in contact with, say to yourself, I love you. Mm -hmm. Say it to yourself. And it's more than just, you know, unicorns and crystals and California butterflies <laughs> and things like that. It's science, you know, and everything that I do, again, I come from a science place of, of provable. I like that about you, by the way. Yeah, Most people don't take that. What happens is, is um, when you put your attention and intention on other people, your energy grows, your electromagnetic energy grows, their electromagnetic energy grows, or they feel it, and then their electromagnetic energy grows, and you become connected. And so that's a form of attraction as well. And so if you start doing that and make it a practice of doing that, then what happens is your heart opens up and you open up other people's hearts and you have connection. Uh -huh. And then sometimes you gotta be okay with not saying a damn thing at all. Let them ask, you know? In other words, I can't, I, it would be arrogant for me to walk up to anybody on the street and go, hey, I'm Joseph McClendon III and I know stuff that you don't. How can I help you? Mm. You know, the average person is going to go, get out of here. You know, just, you know, I didn't ask yeah. you for this. Uh, so you got to learn how to, you know, weave into their lives and have them make a connection. With make, you. What, what do you guys think of that? You guys have, I mean, you guys have all been through it, right? Were you guys, you guys ever go through those phases? I definitely did right when I got got into it. Yeah? yeah. Was it true? Because of what he said, like, uh, as you solved it yourself, like, it really kind of alleviated yeah, me from yeah, needing... It was, I was there more for selfish reasons in the beginning, mm -hmm. going to some... And that's okay. So that's, I think yeah, that's the natural good. progression yeah. of it. Uh -huh. And then, um, yeah, it just became like this almost arrogance ego. Yeah, I forgot to be like, a human. Oh, I, I figured it out. And then it was like, wait, I still have more things. <laughs> yeah. What about me? Yeah. 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 No, I got you. You guys too? No, yeah, and I definitely understand um, when he said, let other people act. Cause it's like, it's a tendency of when you learn new things, you just want to like teach everybody, teach yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, they didn't, they didn't ask for that. <laughs> so, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and sometimes they get insulted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then like, you're frustrated that they're not a better version of yourself that you see. And it's just like, it's just a back and forth thing that doesn't work. Yeah. So just like, let, let somebody else act and not just impose. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there's ways to impact them to, to help them ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that, man. And uh, you know what? I mean, I mean, I'm curious. So here you are, and I, we were talking earlier. So I kind of want to like spark this conversation we're having earlier, maybe have it um, in a bit more of a full context. And you were talking about your pops, and you were talking about how much you respected him and loved him, but how when you're growing up, you felt that there were some confines on your life, um, and that you struggled. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 I'm curious to that because I know that you mentioned that you were homeless, and that's beyond a struggle, and you were suicidal. And again, that's beyond, but let's talk about that a little bit. Well, um, my father passed away uh, in July. And Sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, it was funny. I, I was doing a news broadcast the other day, kind of a little bit off the subject, and uh, the lady, the, the uh, host, if you will, 
let's talk about my son. And she goes, what's your son's name? And I go, it's the same as mine, but he's the fourth. And she said, she goes, isn't it a little arrogant to name your son after you? And because of my training. <laughs> Allah, AKA, I was about to fucking snap. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Slap the bitch. No. Because of my training. Because of my training. Um, I know that when somebody does something like that, not to respond in the way that's pushing back against her. And so I have this thing called feel, felt, found. And that is, I said, I understand how you feel. A lot of people have felt that way, but here's what we found, and here's what I found. I said, I named my son after the most unbelievable person I've ever known in my entire life. And she's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah. and he was, he was a Vietnam War vet. He served his country for 26 years, and uh, he taught me so many things, and that was my father. I named my son after my father. Mm. Yeah, because my son's the fourth, I'm the third. Right. And I said, uh, and, and so what happened was that was kind of my, uh, a way to gently give her a bitch slap. And to answer your question, my father uh, was in the Air Force. Uh, I grew up in the Air Force. He was very, very strict. And one of his most important uh, things was because he didn't grow up with an education and he had to get his education while he was raising his family. So his most important thing was you have to get an education, you got to get an education. But I had a conflict and we talked about this before and the conflict was that I was and still am an artist. Mm. My mother was an artist as well. So that juxtaposition caused a rift within myself. I love my parents, still do, you know, and all those things. But the conflict inside myself was, you know, pleasing my father and doing what I knew was right basic, based on what he said, and then also pleasing myself and, and you know, the artist side of me. And I struggled for a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I put myself through college as a dental technician. And my father had this saying. A uh, dental, dental technician? No, you yeah. went to college for dentistry? No, 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 no. I, I worked as a dental technician. I went to college as a, as okay. a uh, for psychologist. God, Elk. I'm glad that you cleared that up. I'm yeah. glad that I asked. No, no, that was my job. And that I is. hated that job. I just hated it. But it was a way to make a living, and I had to put myself through college. But I remember uh, and that, that was a big shift in me. My, my dad would always say, you got to keep a good job and stay in school or you'll be digging ditches. Because remember, he grew up in the, in the depression. Right. And so I did. I kept working as a dental technician while I went to school. And even after I got my degree, I still kept working. But there was a side of me that wanted to play music and get a recording contract. So I kind of did them all at once. And then one day I freaked out. That's a recipe for disaster, man. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. a disaster. Yeah. I almost had a nervous breakdown because I was going, you know. You were shifting gears. Yeah, and I couldn't I didn't know how to do it. And that's when I met my, my business partner, Tony. When I met him and you, I watched That's him, when you met him? That's when I met him. It was at that point in my life where I was up to my, I was, I was working in two different bands, writing all the songs, doing all that stuff, working in nightclubs at night, still working my job, and um, going to school, and still having to try to have, try to have a relationship with my Jesus. girlfriend. Jesus. Wow. And that's where I, because it was overwhelmed, and I was just freaked out. And uh, that's when I was introduced to neuropsychology, and I saw it, and I thought, well, my, it's evident I'm afraid of failing. I've got fear of failure. And so I immediately went to work on my own ass. And I literally, that's when people ask me, can, can this work on you? Yeah. And so I did, and as I said, physician heal thyself. 
And within a month, month and a half time, I, w- I did quit my job of 15 years, same job for 15 years. Mm. I was like walking away job. from that. I don't want to just it mull over that. It was refreshing. But yeah? It was like, because- How'd you know it was time? Because like a lot of people probably like want to do the same thing. When you work on yourself, yeah. when you clear yourself of fear, then what takes, and, and by the way, it's really important that you replace it with something. How do you clear yourself of fear? Um, and I don't mean to cut give, you no, off, I'm but saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Let me give you the, let me give you the, 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 Quick answer. It's always this. Always? I said earlier. Literally always. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Literally always. Interesting. No, I like change the, something, this is the form. The reason I'm double checking okay. is because I want people to hear, like, holy crap, yeah, always. Yeah. It's always this. And I, and I can't go into the, the technicalities and the details of all of it, but understand this. Remember what I said earlier? If you come into my office, you get a fear of dogs, there's going to be a dog in there. And the reason being is because I want to experience, I want to see, I want to experience you at your worst. Or, or trigger that thing that causes you to be at your worst. Because when I do, that's step number one, is I, I say, feel bad, meaning, which is, con- which is adverse to what most people do. I, don't, I go to the doctor because I want to feel better. No, I want you to feel bad so that I can do the next step, which is to interrupt that pattern, which is to change your focus in that moment. And the long and the short of it is, is we all go through it. You know, we've all been sitting somewhere and you stand up and you go in the kitchen to, to get a, a, you know, a, a pad and paper and you go in the kitchen and you go, what did I, what did I come in here for? You've interrupted the pattern. Hmm. And in that moment, you have a blank spot. And that blank spot is a vacuum in your brain and it's going, give me something. And, and so this third step is to feel good, replace it with something good. And again, I'm going through these, these are the basic yeah, steps. I know you're replace it with something good and then celebrate. And that celebrating teaches the nervous system to do it over and over again. So and again, I, next I got a question on that. How, yeah. how specifically do you celebrate? Pat myself on the back, shake that ass, yeah, whatever yeah, it is, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Okay. Smile, if you just smile, remember, awesome sauce. When you smile, it literally creates, makes your brain and your body release awesome sauce. And it's rewarding yourself. Anything with a nervous system, if it does something and you reward it, then the nervous system says, I'll do it again. And so if you do that to yourself, so those sequence, um, you know, we were talking about stress before and worry. Make yourself do it so that you can interrupt your pattern and then make yourself feel good and then celebrate. And then do it again and again, over and over again, and then pretty soon it goes away. Yeah. Now that's the broad strokes and there's lots of different methods of being able to do that. And of course, the intensity and if I'm, in, if I'm the facilitator to do something, you know, I'm going to be very intense about it. And, and uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, this is my profession. I know to do that, but anybody can do it. Gotcha, man. That's freaking nuts. And so like, like, I mean, I'm a big guy and I honestly got this from Tony. You know, I'd be truthful about it, but I'm a big guy on meaning. <laughs> Right? Like part of my process when I'm going through something, when I experience pain is like pain for me is like uh, usually you're rubbing up against some kind of fear in yeah, some yeah. in some form, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. agree. And, um, and when I'm rubbing up against some kind of fear, I'm usually trying to find a way to describe to myself what this means. You know what I mean? Instead of it meaning the world's falling apart. And I found that if you could tell yourself a narrative, you could like create a story around what it is that you're experiencing, you're really going to win at life, right? Like you'll tell yourself something powerful. Agree. I would agree. So, yeah. so, so how, how does that work for you? I mean, was that something you stumbled across before, before doing personal development? Was this something that was always within you, but really what I'm looking for is actually the question that I want to ask you is this, how can people discover meaning in painful times? Because here you are describing this thing with your dad and having this conflict being created and earlier you were homeless and all this other stuff in your life, but what you didn't allow it to mean was you didn't allow it to mean that this is what you are. You allowed it to mean much more. Yeah, I, I, and being honest with you, I think that's over-intellectualizing it because yeah, I, I don't think people most, and I didn't, I, have an I didn't think that. that. I just felt like I feel like crap. I don't want to feel this way anymore. Yeah. But in that question is where most people live is they go, if they recognize that, they're, that they have an unresourceful emotion attached to anything at all, whether it's another person, whether it's another situation, or about themselves, 
the only thing that they think is, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And they're going, why do I feel this way? But what they're not doing is going, what do I want? And that's the key. Mm. So if somebody would come into my office and I would literally go, what do you want? 99% of the time they go, I feel like crap and I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know, I, you know I, I, I'm depressed. I'm this. I literally had a guy once, I'll never forget this. A guy said to me, I said, how can I help you? And he goes, depression washes over me like a scalding hot wave of debilitating emotion. Holy crap. And this guy, and, and you could, t- and, and by the way, here's what people do, is they'll go, I'll say, what do you want? And they go, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I go, okay, what do you want? And they go, I feel like crap. And I go, okay, what do you want? And they go, I'm depressed. And I go, okay, what do you want? And they go, I'm suicidal. I don't want, I go, well, what do you want? And they get upset with me and I bring to that point on, on purpose so that I can interrupt their pattern. And I go, you told me what you don't want. What do you want? And as soon as they start focusing on them, what they want, remember the awesome sauce starts to release and they start to look in that. And now I've captured what they want. And now I have something to put in that place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the advice to people is to stop asking these two questions. What's wrong with me or what's wrong? And why is it happening that way? Just to recognize if you feel bad, that's a signal to feel good, to interrupt the pattern, feel good, celebrate. It's incredible, man. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. simple, not always easy, but it's simple. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously, do you guys have any questions about that? I was just gonna make comments. Yeah, it's please do. It's basically like an emotional muscle. It is, a, it is, it very well put. As a matter of fact, I call it emotional mechanics, mechanics of, of building emotion because you're, you, the emotions that you have right now that you've attached to whatever, have, some of them happened in the instant, something happened and you got that emotion and that got second. But most of our emotions and the way we feel about things have, have we've, we've, I shouldn't say eased into them, but they've, they've become part of who we are through repetition, you know? And, and here's an example, self-esteem issues, confidence issues, issues certainty issues. Um, the number one fear of human beings is the fear of rejection. And for most people at some point in their life, they felt rejected by either something somebody said or, and nowadays, it's all over the place. I was working on this show called uh, The Doctors a few months ago, and there's this thing called Snapchat dysmorphia. It's a whole new disease. That's a real thing? It's Snapchat a real thing. Dysmorphia? And that is where people go on Snapchat, and they will they'll get a picture of themselves, they'll take all of their blemishes out, they'll make their eyes bigger, and they'll do all this stuff, and then they put that on the internet, on their Facebook or on their social network as this is who they are. And so they put that out there and now what that does to them is they feel like they can never live up and they can't. And they literally take that picture, they take it to their plastic surgeon and go, I want to look like this. And they go, the plastic surgeon goes, you can't look like that. That, you know, we'd have to, you know, split your skull to make your eyes, you know. But then they develop what's called dysmorphia. They develop this opinion about themselves that they're not worthy, that they're not good enough. And that strikes at their number one fear of being a rejection. And they live in that. And that's why suicide goes up. And that's why uh, um, reclusiveness goes up and lots of different diseases that are on the rise that are just fear of rejection. I was actually listening to um, somebody who's going to be running for office. I'm I'm Canadian. So this I'm not American, meaning I don't have anything to do with American politics. But and this isn't a politi- uh, political question. But there's a guy named Andrew um, Andrew Yang. Mm-hmm. 
And he said something incredible in a Joe Rogan interview. He said that um, recently, I think it was this, it was uh, suicides became the number one um, killer in the United States, or sorry, the number two killer in the United States. I think first is still drug-related stuff, mm -hmm. and it recently surpassed uh, automobile accidents, yes. which I thought was insane. So he's saying this is literally like becoming an ep epidemic. It's actually stripping away the U.S. population, yes. right? This is like a real problem. You deal with this pretty frequently, right? Like you deal with people who are suicidal. I worked on a suicide hotline for, for five years. It, which is incredible. And I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, it made me realize something fascinating. I said, here we are, and we have all these global crises from needing to um, change the way the global economy work, is working and serve the poor, uh, to global health issues, to global warming. I mean, there's all these things that we're trying to tackle as human beings when internally we're facing one of the um, most raging epidemics we ever have, which is mm -hmm. wanting to hurt ourselves and actually take ourselves off the face of the planet. I said, you can't ask a human being who's in that state to, to, to think beyond themselves and go take on these challenges. I think the reason why we're threading the needle so slowly in that area is because we're so going through a time as humanity where we're so focused on ourselves. And I'm curious, um, what do you feel is the first step to really starting to turn the tables on that? First step, first step is always acknowledgement, but the, uh, the next step is to discover the source. And this is How do you critical. do that? Well, do you do I'll, that? I'll give you an example. I'll okay. give you a real good example, leaving politics out of it, but you'll understand this. Okay. Here's a question for everybody here. Um, when did it become socially acceptable to bully, to call names, to threaten, and to uh, have um, what I, I'm just called distrustful uh, behaviors? When? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's been like that for a while. I don't know it if I can. But when did it become socially acceptable? The norm. You want me to answer like with a time period? Sure, if you can. I don't know. After World War II. Okay, so here's the, here is, just in, in the essence of time, here is a concept that I want you to, and it's, it's something that, because it's the reason why I'm doing more television now, because television, beyond the shadow of a doubt, has been the number one and most impactful and influential thing in terms of impacting and influencing people since the dawn of time. And television has only been around less than 100 years. Wow. Okay. And because it is, it's, and now television is this mm. and, and any screen that's in front of you. But I'm going to answer the question. Here's when it became mega socially acceptable. In the mid-90s, I, I think it was 90, right around 95, 94, 95, um, there was a writer's strike in Los Angeles. All of the writers went on strike, which meant television shut down. And television is a multi-billion dollar industry per month, okay? And so, and, and remember, it's the number one influencer. It's the thing that tells us how to think and be and, be and so on and so forth. And when it shut down, um, all of the, the popular shows that, that were there, because you need writers for them. Well, a guy came along, and you can't have that, you can't have that, that much revenue shut down. His name is Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett created a show called Survivor. And he was the first one who came along, innocently created this show that was, you didn't have to have writers, you know, and the budget was really, really, at the end of 16 weeks or whatever, however long that series ran, you give somebody a million bucks versus paying, you know, a bunch of actors and so on and so forth, a million mm -hmm. dollars per episode. And so, uh, in the beginning, that show was pretty innocent. Put people on an island, they just interact with each other, they compete, and at the end of that. well. It grew, and by the way, these were the only shows that were on, and all the other networks started to have their versions of it as well. It was the genesis and the beginnings of reality shows as we know it right now. Mm. But what happened, if you remember, is that show started to, to what I call devolve, and the people that were the stars on those shows 
were doing things that were, let's just say, unscrupulous. Backstabbing, name calling, on, you know, on a camera they talked about somebody, they started doing things called, called alliances, where they'd gang up on one yeah. person. And people started to watch that, and because they're being influenced, they started to take that on as themselves, that this is a normal way of being. And those, they started to glorify the network started to glorify these people that were just nasty people. And that grew and that wow. grew and that went on. I call it the uh, um, reality show dysmorphia, for lack of a better term, and that reality show reality. And then um, at the same time, uh, chat rooms and the internet started to get big where you could anonymous, anonymously be cruel and mean and say terrible things yeah. to other people. Mm -hmm. And that grew and that grew. And all the way up to now, not to cast any shade, but the reality shows that are on right now, you know, if you want to, you know, you want self-improvement, get away from that stuff. All you know, cast a shade. They're shit. They're horrible yeah, for horrible. you. But what they're doing is, mark my word, go look at them. The people that are on there, they are just rude. They're just, you know, and, and they're not they don't have the virtues that we were raised with or, you know, yeah, the younger They're imparting values. But guess what? And I'm going to say this, and this is not a political statement, but I'm going to say so. Reality shows became the norm and all that went on. And the number one fear of human beings is the fear of rejection. Okay? So guess who had the number one reality show for, I think it was like six, four, five, six years? Trump. Donald Trump. Okay? And... Uh, in that show, what was his tagline? You're fired. Uh, fired. fired. You're fired. You're rejected. And so it was a perfect storm. And so it's funny how we all knew that. Yeah. That's how yeah, embedded it is. That's, That's how embedded it is. Yeah. Well, it's embedded in us deeply. So that type of behavior, and I'm not blaming it on him. No, of course you know, not. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just no, saying. No, no, I know you're not going on record saying, saying that, but just, you're, you're yeah. stating an example. Yeah. That's an example, but it's across the board. It's not just him. It's across the board, and it is why people will settle for allowing this type of thing to go on because inside they're afraid that they're afraid that that kind of thing will be on on them dude right. that's deep yeah. man and so you know just a concept but i but again well, i really you know, believe in it though it. i mean so the solution i'm sorry to cut you off no 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 to bring about what we're doing right now start having more and more programming literally I, i'm working on uh, with a television program that a television show to to use what is already embedded into in uh regular television programming to I say, instead of using it for evil, let's use it for the, the betterment of mankind. Right. I think that's freaking, man, I gotta say, like, just candidly, that was the most, like, like I'm so glad I asked, because, like, I feel like I got one of your own little personal theories about life, which is incredible. I encourage you to share that more, and I couldn't agree more. We've been having conversation time and time and time again about this concept of ownership, and, and I'll share it with you, and I'm gonna relate it back, and it's that, you know, a lot of people are, like, this cog in a system, and they're just pouring fuel into it, and that's, like, your uh, survivor show, or your Donald Trump show, right? Mm -hmm. And behind those scenes, there's these um, company owners, these billion dollar companies who are really just like curating content and curating content yeah. and they're controlling the narrative. And it's beautiful to see the work of people like Tom Bailey. I don't know if you know who yeah, that is. And he's creating a comic company and he's doing it in light of what's happened with Marvel and what's happened with Disney. And seeing that actually, like as much as motivational speakers and as much as his podcast is gonna have an impact, what's really impacted society even more so than that on a lower, on, not on a lower level but on a deeper level is marvel comics you know it's oh, like yeah, living yeah, out these super yeah. so don't it's get so me started. yeah don't it, get me it's started. so cool <laughs> and like you know i'm actually curious like i have to ask and like we're gonna wrap in about two three minutes because i want to get you out of here i want to be respectful of your time but i have to ask i mean in the work you do i love the work you do it's freaking changed my life it's changed everybody's life i'm not saying that by any 
any stretch of the imagination. But in all seriousness, um, how much do you feel that you're really going in? Because for me, it's been incredibly deep. But um, what do you really feel this is going to take to turn this damn ship around, well, Joseph? Well, is it going in I, and like I think, rewriting uh, again, those narratives? I'm the eternal optimist, and I think we are turning it around. And again, always, I always, agree. always look where you want to go. And the answer to the question is exactly what I just said. Listen, when I first got started okay. doing what I do right now, I was worked one-on-one, and that's what I wanted to do, was, was learn the skill of working with one-on-one. So I practiced that for a long time. Then my goal was to cre- was to work with larger groups, one to a hundred people, and then I did that, and then from a hundred to a thousand, a thousand, and now literally every month I'm in front of at least ten thousand people. In a couple days I'll be in front of fourteen thousand people. Wow. Nice. So on average every month a thousand people. But now my to answer your question, my goal is is to move into the area that I just talked about. The most impactful thing is television. So I do. I have a regular uh, uh, spot once a month on Channel Five in San Diego. I do several other shows. I'm, I have the opportunity to work on a show called Extra uh, here shortly. But I'm wanting, literally, have created a whole process. I'll say this real quickly. Yeah, yeah please. There are, are there are actually twelve of them, but six main, what I call markers, in traditional regular TV programming that manipulate people. And I'll give you an example. Is this a theory of your own? Is this no, no, no. This is just in regular television. What are the six markers? You see, well, I'm going to give you just a couple just, to get, just, just because of time to give you an example. Please, One yeah. of them that we know, and you know it's there, and you know it's happening, but you can't do anything about it, and that is called a cliffhanger. And the cliffhanger is, you know, and ladies and gentlemen, you see it on every, uh, rea- not reality show, but every, they do it on the reality they shows. They do it on sitcoms, well, but, they do it on yeah, like those. They, they, but they, the one that's the most obvious is like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, couple number two or, or contestant number two is, is out, contestant number three is out, and it's between four and five. And the ones that get to stay are right after this commercial. Yeah. And what that does to your psyche is makes you go, what, 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 and then all of a sudden it leaves this hole, and they do it on purpose so that the commercial that comes in goes into your nervous system. Oh okay. my gosh. Okay. Dude, please share the other five. Yeah, 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 I need to hear the other five. <laughs> I need to, I need to just quickly say the other five, bro. We don't have time for okay, the other okay, five. Okay, However, I just want you to be aware that those six are there. So to answer your question, that's what I'm doing next. I literally have TV programming and a movie programming uh, for that are along the lines of what you were talking oh, about. Oh man, I would love to learn those sometimes. Uh, to use those markers as uh, uh, for, for good versus evil. You are the man. And you know what, just to, again, be respectful of your time, really quickly, where can people find those markers? Because I don't want to cliffhang them. You can't. Oh. You, you got. <laughs> you just. You just. You just. You, you just you, the dog's got somebody's microphone. So, oh. Yeah. yeah. Toby. That's okay. Let him. Uh, um, let him bite. Let him bite. I. <laughs> I've not. I've not made them public yet. Got it. Okay. And, cool. um, they're, oh, they're your markers. Yeah. Oh, well, they're not mine. They're just there. I and understand. They're in. They're in. Yeah, Luis's or no, um, Joseph's. They are in. Um, Regular programming, they're already there. Incredible. So you just go and watch, and you just, you know, anytime, you know, the whole concept of, of you know, television commercials, when you see a television commercial that doesn't make any sense or that makes you laugh, they're, utili- they're utilizing uh, this thing called anchoring and pattern interrupts to impact you. Beautiful, man. Um, just to wrap up on a positive note, um, I'm going to do acknowledgments in just a second, and I want to send people to your way mm-hmm. to check you out. So I'm going to ask you one more question after this, but it's super quick, and you're going to like it. But where can people find you? Find me. Uh, you go to my website, which is josephmcclendon.com. Okay. Or you can join me on uh, on uh, Instagram, okay. which is I am Joseph McClendon, okay. <laughs> or Facebook, my name. Uh, and those, and please join me there because just like we were doing here, as I said earlier in this conversation. <laughs> 
I'm not, I want to create content and give you something that you can do to get a result, go further, yeah, yeah, faster. You're doing an amazing job and just ended on a positive note. Um, what are three things you're grateful for today and why? Well, I'm grateful that you guys are here and allowing me to do this. I'm grateful uh, for uh, the people that I have the privilege of impacting their lives and I'm, I'm grateful for uh, just to be alive in this time, this day and age. And uh, I mean, there's just, there's more than three, it goes on. I uh, know, there must be more than three. I feel you on that. Well, um, look, I didn't get a chance to share it at first, but just 30 seconds here, I can speak for all of us when I say this, man. I saw you, like I told you, about six years ago when I was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Blew everything away. We went down there to see Gary, and you were the most pleasant surprise we could have asked for. And then fast forward a few years later, I was in Dallas at a Tony event, and I forgot about you, to be frank about it. Mm-hmm. I just, like, in back of mind. And by design, by the way. Yeah. No, no, seriously. Really? I designed that. I, I, Incredible. I design. Incredible. And then I saw this guy on stage. I'm like familiar voice but don't really recognize it i was pissed at first because i thought tony was going to be there for the photo and as you know you went over crowds all the freaking time and man it's crazy what happens when you just let your guard down a little bit you let somebody in and see somebody up there that kind of looks like looks like this yeah it does something to you man and i just want to thank you for genuinely changing my life what i've been able to do because of what you've done and what you've committed your life to for other people I don't know. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys, man. And it's cool to be able to, most people don't get this opportunity, but it's cool to be able to shake your hand and thank you in person. My pleasure. It's My been, pleasure with it. It's yeah. been great. Thanks for being here. Well, I, I just say this kind of in closing. I say this to everybody here. First off, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you, you for, for coming along. This thank happened. you. And last two things are this. Now it's your turn. You know, my, mm. my mentor gave me the task of going out there and um, and now it's your turn. You know, so if I'm able to give you uh, any advice or anything that you can learn, you don't have to do what I do, but just get out there. And I always say to people that, that two things. Number one, the spoils of life don't go to those who just want. And those of us that dare to dream while the rest of the world is having a nightmare, and they really are, and do something about it. We not only, you're not only going to get the things that you want and, and, and grow and go further faster, but the greatest thing is, is that you become a shining example for other people to model. And together we can make a big difference. And then lastly, remember this, that life is exactly what you dare to make it. Mm. And fortune favors the bold. I thought we weren't going to get that. I thought we weren't going to get that line. Love you, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you.